Today's scripture comes from Luke chapter 24, verse 13 through 35. Please stand for the reading of God's word. Hear now the word of the Lord. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied, he was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. He said to them, how foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us? while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us. They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, It is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everybody. It's good to be back. Uh, if you didn't know, I did go to Japan last week. But I, did, I heard the message online. We have it on SoundCloud, and I was just so blessed. I want to thank Pastor Esther for sharing the message last week and encouraging uh, this body of believers. But it is good to be back. Um, Japan is a great country. I love their food. Can't get enough of rice, which is terrible for me, but the rice is so good, and, but I'm happy to be back, and especially back with you. And after to this service, uh, we have a homecoming banquet, and I urge all of you to stay. Uh, join us. There's going to be raffles and prizes. I don't know if you've heard all the details, but last year, I think we had like an iPad mini, 
and someone who bought like only one raffle ticket won it, so who knows who, can, who it can go to. But I hear that we have great prizes this year too. Um, it's raining. You don't want to go outside. Eat with us. It's free. Unless you buy a raffle ticket, then what is it, like a few bucks? We can go home with like a pair of beats or something. It's great, right? So please join us. We have enough food. There's enough room. We're going to celebrate not just the college students that have come back to join us for the summer, but those that have graduated and that are moving on their next stages of life. It's going to be great. So please do join us. And there's lots of prizes to commemorate this event. Japan Missions was fun. Uh, I had a great time. Um, I think people asked me, how was the team? That's the first thing people ask me, which I found really interesting. The first thing people ask me is, how was the team, Pastor Jean? Because they were four really young <coughs> women, I guess, <laughs> women, and they're in their 20s as women. Um, they're young women, and I'm on the older side. And, you know, when we would joke, they would joke, oh, we're the Spice Girls. And Pastor Jean, you're like Father Spice. And like, oh, okay, thanks. Uh, and even the, the pastor's kid there would play along. And she's only like seven. When I would come back to the church after a day of evangelism, she'd run into my arms calling me Father. And it's like, what the? That's not funny. Anyway, but... That, you know, it was a great team. I, I'd have to say among all the teams that I've went and took to Japan, I think God is doing something great. And just the team chemistry that we had this year, um, it might have been the best team that I've taken because they were so united. Uh, they were so determined to spread the love of God. And we saw that unifying force, not because of the quality in themselves. They were all, they're all great. Uh, even when they called me Father Spice, it was fine. But it really, I think, is because the Holy Spirit is doing something amazing in Japan. This is a nation that was closed off for hundreds of years. They didn't want to accept any other ideology, philosophy, any other thinking other than the traditions they wanted to keep pure and they wanted to keep it. And when you would approach someone, why would they, a first world nation, come talk to you? Why would you? I mean, if I were out on the streets handing out pamphlets, even, can we admit that even us as church cohorts might just be like, oh, I hope they don't stop me. I need to find out what to say. So as you pass by, like, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, I love Jesus. And then you might walk away <laughs> just because you don't want to be bothered. But in Japan, people stopped. People were like, okay, I'll listen. Uh, can we pray for you? And most of the time they said, yeah. They didn't even know what that was. So you see a bunch of people just opening up their eyes and like, okay, I guess this person's praying for me now and they don't know how to react. So we have some pictures uh, of just young people just staring up into the sky while we're praying for them because they don't know how to react. They, they've never had this done for them before. But that's the thing, they're willing. And you see the gospel is now making a turn around the world and it's finally reached a corner where it's been closed for so long. And God is doing something around the world, and we get to participate. Man, that's exciting. That's fantastic. That's what we get to see. It's not going to be shown on the news. It's not going to be put out there for you to read when your iPhone, when I look through the news, all, all they have is stuff about Hillary or Trump anyway. But 
It's not going to be there. But you know what? God is moving. And he's doing something great. And I can't wait for my team to um, just debrief and give our church congregation um, just a briefing of what happened next week. We're going to have pictures on a, a movie next week. But I just wanted to thank you for praying for us, supporting us. You know, our missions deacon, amazingly supportive. The people that are sending us out, incredibly supportive. And, you know, people could have easily said, Japan, what are you going there to party? You know, <laughs> kind of thing. But honestly, uh, we ate a lot, but it was from, like, the convenience store. We ate a bunch of rice balls and stuff like that. But even then, we just had a blast because God was doing something amazing. Sometimes we did have ramen, and it was spectacular. It was magnificent. It was, it was really good. I'll just admit it. Like, New York does not compare. Come on. Yeah, this is Japan. But it was spectacular. But, you know, we only had it two, three, including udon maybe four or five times. But, oh, the food was, it was, food was great. The people were so friendly. They were open to listen to us. And the main thing is, when I went there, we had this joy festival and after, in the middle of the festival, you know, you have a presentation. You want to introduce something. You have a TED Talk or you have some kind of presentation. You give an elaborate presentation. You give all the points, the details, the reasons why you should follow this or trust this or invest in this. And then you give the pitch. But this was interesting because in the middle of the presentation, someone came up and said, Would anybody like to receive Christ? And I saw hands go up. People who don't know even know who Christ is want Christ. And I saw hands come up and I realized that is the biggest miracle of all. And God is doing amazing things in Japan, which you'll hear about the healings happen, people who are sick, people who have pain. Jesus is healing them in a first world country. You see all these amazing things happen. But the greatest miracle is when I saw these hands go up saying, I want to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior over my life. And I'm just like, that's incredible. They don't even know what the Christian culture is like we do here. But they want to. And that's just amazing. That's why we have to go out as a church. In Romans 10, 14, it says, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? It's our job to preach. And God is changing hearts. He's giving hope to the hopeless. He's giving Sabbath to the restless. He's bringing the dead to life even this very moment. And he's doing a great work. And he's saying, whom shall I send? Who's going to be my hands and feet? I pray that it's our church. I pray that it's us. I pray that it's you and it's me. In this passage, we read about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And I have three points. I want to say it in this sentence. To know him is to love him, is to follow him. To know him is to love him, is to follow him. You know, you can know of him and not know him. Did you know that? Because to know of him is not enough. 
The two disciples walking to the road to Emmaus knew everything about Jesus. All that had happened to Jesus, they heard it. They heard some women talking about early in the morning, they went in, didn't see Jesus. And even they heard that angels had said that he is risen. They heard it all. He's not in the tomb. They heard it. They knew of it. They knew of Jesus. But they were downcast. There is a deep sadness and pitifulness of life if there is no resurrection. When someone close to you dies, there is a hopelessness and a big gaping hole from what used to fit it. Death does that. It doesn't matter if you tell yourself that you will be the legacy of the person that you love and the person will live through you. This is what we do say, and it is somewhat true. But the fact of the matter is that once someone dies, there is a deep connection that you had with the person that you loved, and now that deep connection is severed. Uh, this past week, my uncle died, and he was young. Uh, it was tragedy. Uh, he died in Korea in a car accident. And I remember hearing about it. <clears throat> and I was just in my car grieving. Um, it, was, it was especially mournful to me because a dear sister of ours, her mother passed too this, uh, this past weekend. And um, I was grieving because uh, I couldn't go to Korea, of course. And I was in my car. And there is this kind of weird car culture. Excuse me. There is a weird car culture that's there if you have a certain kind of car. Um, our, our elder-to-be, who we'll have elections for, he has a, a car. And every time there's a similar car, people will just high beam and wave, hey, like, like they're best friends. I don't know if you know it. If you drive like a Honda Accord, you won't do that. Like, oh, there's another Honda Accord, hey, you know. <laughs> That won't happen, uh, but I do have a car that has like a niche uh, buyer as well, and um, this car was happened also to be white, and it pulled up right next to me, and you know, usually what would happen is we'd be like, hey, what's up, or give a nod, or I'd give like a salute. It's very nerdy, but it was in the middle of while I was grieving. So I was like, I had all these tears and mucus in my eyes in my car. And I looked over and the guy's like, oh, let me roll up my window. And so there, there wasn't any uh, exchange of affection there. But uh, my uncle also really liked cars. And I remember when I was younger, um, he would say, uh, you like cars, right, Eugene? I got this new car. You want to come check it out? And I went to his garage and he had bought a Porsche 911. And I was like, wow. He's like, you want to drive it? And I said, no, because I'm definitely going to destroy it. Whereas when Jubin said, you want to drive my car? I was like, I'm going to destroy it. Give me the keys. And I actually did. And he was like, ah. But um, I remember all the times that I had with him. And all these, all these memories came back flooding. Um, he, I, I like odd things. Like when I, when I was in college, like I had a, a girlfriend and she was short. Eh, but shorter, right? 
Um, and my grandma was giving me a hard time. It's like, why are you dating a short girl, you know? And he, he's the one that defended me. He's like, it's okay, Eugene, you can date short girls. I'll support you. <laughs> and so he was, he was that kind of guy. Uh, it's tragic that he had to, he had to die. Um, because you realize that there was more life to be lived with him. More experiences were to be shared with him. He added value to my life. It's tragic because he has three kids that aren't married and they're going to go through their weddings without their father there. The group of disciples that were walking to Emmaus, Jesus was their friend. They, he was their, his, their family member. In fact, he was their leader. He was more than all these things. He was closer than a brother. And they had this deep connection with him. I've realized as I've gotten older the importance of not just a friend but a leader. And I was thinking about, you know, our church. Um, you know, we, we go to these tournaments. <clears throat> like we play basketball or we play football with other churches and I honestly think, and I'm not just saying this because I'm biased as the pastor, I think we have one of the, like, the best talent. And for the life of me, people, people would say, for the life of me, I, I just don't get why we don't win it all the time. And I, I've come to realize that, like, to be honest, we don't have a leader, someone that comes out and just takes control of the momentum, of the culture, of the environment of the team. And when something bad happens, everything just breaks down. That's the value of a leader. You don't just, the brothership, the, tie, the familial ties of having a sister, brother, mother, father, they're incredibly strong. But I would also say that the tie to a leader is so strong too. And Jesus was all these things. Imagine just how deeply saddened and depressed they were walking back to Emmaus. The disciples had bet on everything. They bet everything on Jesus being the one who would come and save them. And so they're walking along and their face is downcast because they had lost someone so close, so dear to them. They were thinking the thoughts that I can, I can only imagine what I'm going through or anybody grieving, going through. And then Jesus does something amazing. He starts walking along with them. And as he's walking along with them, from the very beginning, he starts explaining all the scriptures and the prophets that they were about him. How he had to come and die. He showed them who he was so that not only would they know of him, now they can know him. To know him is to love him. And the disciples respond in this manner, were not our hearts burning within us when he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? 
When you realize Jesus had to come to die, one has to wonder why. Why would you die when you didn't have to? Why would you die, Jesus? And you realize it's because of his great love for you. And you realize that your hearts are burning within you because Jesus has opened the eyes of your heart. And you realize that he is everything that you hope for. Everything that you were chasing after. Even when you found it, it fell short. Every single thing that your soul deeply longs for. That connection is restored in Christ Jesus. And your hearts are burning inside you. You see... I'm not talking about just teaching. People think Christianity is a teaching sometimes, don't they? It's a religion. It's an ideology. It's a philosophy. And there are some teachings. In fact, there are a lot of teachings. There are some ideologies. There are some philosophies. It's to help us live on this earth and flourish. But it's different. It's not only that. Every other religion, every other philosophy outside of Jesus talks about how you have to live this way and perhaps you can earn something, perhaps, you hope. But you see, Christianity is about actual events that transpired. Jesus came to this earth. He walked, he breathed, he ate. He lived a perfect life, and he died a sinner's death. But death could not hold him. No, he was too powerful for the grave. His love was too great. He rose again from the grave so that anyone who would believe in him would also not die, but live with him in eternity. There is this mistake out there thinking that Christianity is about these ideals and these teachings and these philosophies. No, the core and the essence of Christianity is that Jesus came, he lived, and he died, and he rose again. These are actual events that transpired in history, and we are people that believe in that and follow him. You know, we don't call it death when someone passes. We call it sleep. Then the world could laugh. And they laughed at Jesus when he would go and a child was dead and he would say, she's only asleep. And they laughed at him. But people have just fallen asleep until the Lord comes again. We in this world have this weird fear of zombies and epidemics breaking out. Even while I was in Japan, I had read about how now there is this bacteria where um, just antibiotics don't work anymore. So the end is near, guys. <laughs> but like now we have like the, the strongest form of antibiotics. There's a bacteria that's immune to it. We have the Zika virus coming up. People always have this weird fear of zombies. Um, but I don't think that's what we should be afraid for. The Lord's second coming is imminent. Don't be afraid of what can kill the body, but be afraid of losing your soul. 
I will see my uncle again. He placed his faith in Jesus. He saw the great love that was offered to him. To know him is to love him. It's to follow him. When the disciples realized this, their hearts were burning. When the scripture was read, their hearts were burning. You know what they did? They got up. Immediately, they got up and they went back to Jerusalem. What's that mean? It means that resurrection changes everything. You lose all hope. What happens when you lose all hope? When there is nothing else that's in front of you that you could do, you lost all hope. You know what you do? You go back to what is familiar. So they went back home to Emmaus. They were walking back. Uh, That's at least what you know. You know, even if it's not perfect and there's nothing good in it, at least I'm familiar with it, and you go back to what you know. But we still die a hopeless and pitiful death because that's all we know. But once they had Jesus, once they saw that there's resurrection life in Jesus, they got up. And it was late because they had taken all day to walk to Emmaus. They had dined with Jesus. It must have been late. And you don't walk on the road late at night because that's dangerous. It didn't matter where the danger was. Because wherever you go, God, I'll go. Even if it's uncomfortable. Even if it's dangerous. I'll go where you send me. Because I want to be with you. My heart burned when I was with you because I long for you. I know that there is life in you. To know him is to love him, is to follow him. There's a song that just came into my heart that... uh, while I was preparing this, yeah, this message, um, it just kept on playing in my heart. Uh, I think it's so poignant. I don't know, sometimes uh, words aren't good enough and songs are songs, are songs for that reason because they're better. I thought I might sing it for you. <clears throat> you have to forgive me. Uh, my voice is kind of crackly and dry. But it goes like this. Grace, what have you done? Murdered for me on the cross. Accused in absence of wrong. My sin washed away in your blood. Too much to make sense of it all. I know that your love breaks my fall The scandal of grace You died in my place Oh, my soul will live Oh, to be like you To give all I have just to know you Jesus, there's no one beside you. Forever the hope in my heart. Let's pray.
Let's meditate on what the passage has taught us. That Jesus is life. And he offers it to you now. Receive him into your heart. Don't be afraid. Don't let fear keep you. It's not about what you're going to do or what you have to follow afterwards. It's about following Jesus. Come back to him. Come back to him.